0: And
1: we're back. With a special NFL draft, special minutes to sports and pilot boys podcast coming together to to run everything down here with this exciting draft coming up tomorrow. I think everyone is excited for football to be back next season. Zach and the draft is kind of like the kickoff for for everyone's anticipation of of all things football coming into next year. I know you are. Looks like you got a little bit of a tan, brother.
0: Yeah, play a little golf, man. We finally got an eighty degree day. I was like, I, I got to be outside, so got a yeah. little, uh, little sun, little sun soaked in.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Golf season is upon us too. So, wh- what do you think overall about this draft, man? It's an exciting draft. Seems like it's very deep in talent right. on the offensive side of the ball, uh, more so than the defensive side of the ball this year. It seems like that's been a trend over the last couple of years. Um, But it seems to be also lacking in certain areas. Like it doesn't seem like there's a there's a ton of like at least high profile, like defensive end defensive line talent um, being hyped up in this draft. Um, It seems mostly in kind of like the typical there's a lot of quarterbacks, there's a lot of receivers getting hype um, and some DBs as well. But it seems like that that position seems to be a, a weak link this year.
0: Yeah, and how
1: they're evaluating it, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just think you don't have a generational DN this year, like you've seen with Chase Young. I mean, shoot, the Ohio State guys, right? And even going yeah. back, you had uh, you know Von Miller, you had you know some some big time like generational DNs, right? Um, yeah, uh, Miles Garrett, um, all the way through to Bosa's and Chase Young. You had like a guy that was just a difference maker, Khalil Mack, right? Yeah, and, other... and there's just not that guy this year. That doesn't mean there's not a twelve year NFL vet. Sitting in this draft, it's just you don't know. It's not as glaring who's going to be a difference maker at the end. But I think the trend in football is going towards offense. I mean, you you look at the Super Bowl, you look at these games, you got to be able to score points. And I I don't want to discount defensive football because obviously, if you can slow down these offenses, you got a better chance of winning. But. Electricity wins games now, and you look at Pat Mahomes and what he's done in Kansas City. You look at, you know, what the Browns are trying to build right now, mm-hmm. and it's it's all offensive football, right? The Bra- very different Browns run the ball; yeah. they have a great offensive line, two great running backs, and you know they have some prolific receivers. But um, I think offensive football is ahead of the curve right now, and it always will swing back someday. Um, but right now, offense is the is the hip and in vogue thing to do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it seems specifically what we're seeing in the last three years, the position that's near and dear to your heart, receiver, has just been producing like high level all star type talent in abundance every year, and it doesn't seem like this year's draft is lacking in lacking in any no. talent either.
0: No, and I think the, I think a lot of that uh, you can really point to to Chris Olave coming back to just prove how deep this receiver class is. I mean, from Jamar Chase to Devontae Smith to Jalen Waddell, um, there's just a a number of great ones. And, I mean, Kyle Pitts, you could throw him in there because he's a receiver. He he can't work anyone. So um, there's a a lot of great players in this draft, a lot of offensive explosions. Yep. Excuse me. Bless you. Bless you.
1: Um, yeah, it seems that way. And, and it, you, you brought his name up. So I wanted to, to talk about this a little bit, the tight end position. It seems mm-hmm. like every year there's a, there's a tight end that's, that's hyped up to be the next great tight end, but it doesn't seem like those guys translate quite the way the expectations, um, The the expectations that are set for them, envision their success being right. Like you got, you have, you have guys that are just amazing freak athletes. Why do you think that transition from college to the NFL, that position specifically, is so difficult?
0: Well, I think it's it's a matter of what you're asking them to do, and then it's also a matter of how you watch the game as a fan. I mean, there's there's NFL tight ends that have a kid that played for us at Marshall. Lee Smith is his name. He's been in the NFL since 2010. I think 11. He's in in year 11. And yeah. most people probably don't know his name because he's an on the line blocking tight end. I mean, he catches some passes, but he's not—he's not a sexy player to buy his jersey, right? So yeah. I think that that. The people you know, Travis Kelseys of the world, are they're just big receivers, right? And, yeah. and some of them, the unique ones are like Kelsey, are the ones that can block also, right? Yeah. And um, I, I think it's it's just hard to have that skill set to be that big and be able to block a defensive end and then also be able to be dynamic in the throw game. That's just really tough. I mean, it's it's very very rare, yeah. and uh, it's what it, and it's it's why I, I started it out with Kyle Pitts is not a, a tight end; he's a receiver. Yeah. He's not going to be able to do some of the stuff that some of those other tight ends do in the run game. He'll be able to block some walkouts, be able to block some second-level players, but he ain't blocking a six-technique DN. There's no chance.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the guys, uh, that size and combination of athleticism is impossible to pass up on, right? So you just, yeah, right. you just take him and and figure out a way to use him, and hopefully he turns into that that elite tight end that we we had hoped for i remember oh last time we had heard this much hype around the speed of a tight end i think was vernon davis when he when he i think he ran like a four <laughs> four in the uh in the at the combine but i think this is this is the next guy that we've seen with this type of speed at this type of size it's pretty crazy yeah.
0: He's freaky. I mean, he's long. He he was their whole offense. Him and Canary's Tony were were Florida's whole offense. They didn't have a run game, they didn't really have outside receiver support. So it was those two kids in the middle. And they isolated, I mean they did they did everything you could do with them, right? They they yeah. made him outside receiver, put him in the slot, put him in the backfield in an H back position. They used it, I mean, they did a fantastic Dan did a fantastic job highlighting yeah. what was one of the premier players in the country. And now the kid's gonna get paid for it. And that's you love to see it. I mean, there's yeah, anytime they, they say that the Falcons are looking to are, are probably going to draft him, and are possibly looking at dealing Julio Jones. Like that kid's really good. <laughs> like, yeah, they're going to bring yeah. him in and deal Julio. Like that's that's a really talented kid.
1: Yeah, and and it shows that he jumps off the film in any game that you watch in Florida. He's making some incredible plays, <laughs> and, and it seems like he's got the heart of a champion as well, um, and wants to be great. And that's always <clears> something <throat> that you look for as well. Um, but with the receiver class, this is a little. It's interesting, right? Because it seems like the guy that we think is the best receiver in the draft, Devonta Smith, is looked at as kind of the by NFL draft experts is like the third or fourth receiver that's going to come off the board. Obviously, the main reason for that is the size. This are the size questions, but I think teams are making. I understand the Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts part of it but once you get beyond that I mean you have to look at this guy's body of work and look at his film and say we haven't seen a receiver this advanced come into the draft in a long time you know
0: yeah he's he's really talented but what is <clears throat> a little bit of recency bias when you talk about Devontae Smith because he was outstanding yeah. Um <coughs> oh, excuse me I'm sorry yeah, <laughs> Devontae Smith was outstanding I mean he had an unbelievable yeah. year just an absolute freak talent and, and But what you saw was he had an offensive coordinator that utilized him brilliantly, right? He had a quarterback that was just the ultimate dealer. Like he had a great run game. I mean, just a loaded team. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but if you really rewind 12 months ago right now, there was no one in the world that wouldn't have taken Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle over Devontae Smith. And those two kids didn't play. Mm -hmm. So I know he got better. I know he had a great year, but – Jamar Chase didn't just sit around and eat Cheetos, right? Yeah, Trained, he grinded, he might've got better too, and he might still be better than Devontae Smith, right? That's why evaluation process and the individual workouts are so critical because you really get a picture of where is that kid now? How much better has Devontae Smith gotten from the national championship game till right now? I mean, it's been five months of development. Like, has he been training hard? Like, is he in the best shape of his life? Like, that's what we don't know, but the NFL scouts do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah and speaking of those nFL scouts it seems like they have they're pretty close-minded in their in how they evaluate each position it almost seems like they have like a set of boxes they check and it's hard for them to also evaluate talent that's why you see guys like antonio brown in the third fourth round or fifth round guys turn into pro Bowl caliber players do you think there's like it's it's become too too biased toward these metrics that don't really even matter like how fast a guy can run in a straight line does not matter some of the stuff they put them through in this meat market in the combine doesn't doesn't tell if you're a good football
0: player or not
1: you know it seems like they lean on these things a little bit too
0: there's there's a lot of things in in football that are true and they weigh on them heavily like you I mean, if you're gonna miss, miss with speed, right? If you yeah. That's that's a critical thing in recruiting and everything. Like you, you'd hate to miss on a four-six receiver because yeah. if you miss on a four-six receiver, he can't get <laughs> yeah. for you. I mean, yeah. he has no value. Yeah. Um, but they do. They put way too much. I think. I think they'd want to be. Here's the, Here's my opinion of the NFL front offices and draft process. It's a bunch of people that think they're smarter than everyone else. I mean, there's every NFL coach and scout thinks they're smarter than college football coaches. They think they're marketably smarter. And so when they watch film, they're like, yeah, but I don't even know if that guy could coach that was teaching things. So let's just look at how his raw ability at this combine and project what us brilliant geniuses can do with him. And it's like, you fucking idiot. How about you just watch the kid play the sport you're about to pay him to play? Yeah. Yeah. And they just they don't. And so they. They're so conceited that they they fall in love with a Darius Hayward Bay that runs a four two, can't play dead, can't catch. And it's like, well, you just wasted millions of dollars just because you're ignorant. Yep.
1: Yeah. And it happens every single year. They don't learn every from their year. they don't learn yeah. from their lessons.
0: Uh, yeah, I think mean, it also shows you that there's there's a select few that are really, really good and the rest of yeah. them are clouds.
1: Yep. Yeah. And and the other thing about this is too, is they think that they're they're more, you know, that they're smarter and that they're going to be better, but almost every guy that I know has played at an elite college program says that the training regimen and the focus was much better when they were at college than when they get to the NFL.
0: Yeah, um, there's so yeah, no doubt about that.
1: So that, that's another thing, another reason why it's like it's it's just pure hubris because – you're saying that you're going to be able to take these guys and develop them better, but they're getting better development in college than they're getting in the NFL. <laughs> you know? oh, I mean, almost, almost,
0: I mean, not every team. There's some great football coaches in the NFL, obviously. I'm not going to sit here and say the whole league is full of terrible coaches, but, but I don't think I had a player that came back that didn't, that, that ever said they were learning and, and growing and getting developed at a higher level than we did at Ohio State. Now, several of them came back and were like, it's a joke. They don't teach a shit, right? Yeah. And, But there was a hand, like Michael Thomas, the Saints were phenomenal. He learned a ton. And he was like, like, he he would tell me, he's like, it's pretty much like Ohio State, different offense, like different defenses, but similar learning and teachings and stuff like that. So um, it's just, it's not a a development league. It's a, if you can't do it, someone else will and we'll pay them.
1: Yeah. We draft you you, and we pay you a bunch of money. You better figure it out for yourself. The guys that do well figure out the entire system, how to, how to, There's how to no keep doubt. their body right, how to train right, you know, and, and spend the money that's necessary to, to make sure and ensure their success. Whereas in college, um, you, you've got that support system, uh, consistently for sure. Now, uh, you know, the, the elephant in the room, of course, of this year's draft and every year's draft are what's happening with the quarterbacks. Um, cool wanted to get an idea of how how you feel about this year's quarterback class and then also kind of, yeah. kind of what's what's what, been happening um with with Justin Fields specifically in terms of why people are starting to be more critical of him
0: um well i think i, I could really go deep conspiracy on you if you want to um, yeah. i think that es because espn is, is their classic right espn came out with the whole narrative that that Justin Fields didn't work hard. Justin Fields has epilepsy. Like they're putting out all this propaganda. ESPN is right. Yes. Yeah. And then on the reverse side, a couple of days later, they're like, es, uh, "Justin Fields is falling because he's a black quarterback." And it's like, wait yeah. a minute, are you trying to play both sides here? You're yeah. the one saying he's falling, and now you're trying to play it like it's some racist thing. And, and the reality is, I think that they like to get the clicks from Buckeye fans because Buckeye Nation's huge and they're yeah. very passionate. And if they yeah. talk about Buckeyes negatively or positively, that link is getting clicked. That's yeah, that's yeah. the reality of what I think. Um, but the draft, I think the quarterback class is is solid. I mean, there's five guys that can really, really play. Um, Trevor Lawrence is the, the the best of the bunch, in my opinion. I think Justin Fields has a slightly higher ceiling, but you know you can't draft just a ceiling. You got to draft yeah. the body, you know, the body, body of clay right now also. And I think yeah. Trevor surpasses him. But um, I, I don't think it's even close that Fields is. I think Fields is the second best quarterback in the draft. I know Zach Wilson will get drafted before him. They're, now they're talking about Mac Jones and Trey Lance are the next the th- battle for the third best quarterback. So Justin's fallen, but it, to be honest, I think it'll be the best thing that ever happened to him. Same thing that happened to Michael Thomas. Like, okay, let him fall down to a better team, to a better situation, and then he'll blow all these other quarterbacks' careers out of the water. So good yeah. for him. Yeah. I hope yeah. he goes 17th to a great team and.
1: Has a great career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. Everything happens for a reason. I'm, um, I'm a firm believer in that. And the unfortunate reality here is that I think that with Justin Fields specifically, he's paying the price for history as well. Sure. I think the recency, um, the recent draft of Dwayne Haskins and kind of how that played out, is 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 also casting some unfair criticism on him. Everyone I've talked to uh, about Justin Fields says that he does everything right. You know, he he, there's he didn't get in any trouble. You never hear about him doing anything off kilter. But I just don't like this idea of, oh, oh, labeling all Ohio State quarterbacks the same. He's a different player, a different person, different everything than any of the guys from Ohio State that have come before him. You evaluate the talent, not the school. But this this narrative is starting to get. I understand not too many Ohio State quarterbacks have translated to the NFL level, but that doesn't mean that this kid can't, right? How many right. quarterbacks from any school translate to the next level? It's a hard <laughs> thing to do.
0: Yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, what what Alabama quarterbacks right now are in the NFL killing it? I guess yeah. you could say Dua, but he's not killing it, but he's playing, yeah. Yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's it's hard to get a guy to, to be that – level of a quarterback, right? I was just yeah. listening to Colin Cowherd today and he was talking about maturity and how, how important that is and how often that's overlooked, which I think is, was way overlooked with Dwayne, even by myself, because yeah. you look at guys that get second contracts and get big contracts and have jobs forever. It's like Teddy Bridgewater just got traded to the, to the Denver Broncos. Like Teddy Bridgewater went through, almost lost his leg, like he, but he is mature, smart, a good leader and that kid yeah. will always have a job. It's like Tyrod yeah. Taylor. I mean Tyrod yeah. Taylor's still in the NFL. It's yeah. ridiculous. And yeah. you have guys like Cam Newton that are just immature as shit. And it's like, what's your value after you leave Carolina? Nothing. Zero. Yeah. Because they're looking for maturity. Yeah. And it's it's so undervalued. And but to sit here and look at Justin Fields, that he's the epitome of maturity, isn't he? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, anybody who's who's been in and around the Ohio State community and ask the questions, whether they're asking the current coaching staff, the previous coaching staff, um, there is nothing negative that's said about him, even by his teammates. All his teammates love him. Um, Just seems like a class act all around. And that element of it is kind of annoying to hear. But I do think that, like you said, I think a lot of this is done for clicks. and They're not thinking about the fact that, hey, this is this kid's career. Us kind of creating a story to make Ohio State fans angry um, may actually hurt him, right? Um, right? because that's that's just the unfortunate thing that happens. Now, here's the thing that I kind of want to figure out in terms of evaluating quarterbacks. When you have a, a, a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, who you know played it played against a really elite level competition, how do you then go and evaluate like a Trey Lance or a Zach Wilson? and say hey these guys are potentially better prospects than these guys who thrived in tougher environments like is that again the nfl trying to outsmart itself or is there actually some way to just look at a, a quarterback and say hey this this guy even though he played against really bad competition is going to make it at the nfl level guys do do work out you know like uh, carson right. and. Joe Flacco are examples of guys from smaller schools that translate, but it seems like uh, another one of those NFL, we're trying to be be smarter than everyone else type of things that goes into this.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it is. I mean, I, that's definitely a part of it, but I also think quarterback's a unique position where where you can see physical traits that, that translate to NFL success. Arm strength and, and accuracy are so huge. And being able to do things with the football, with your arm in awkward body positions, like those things are so important because of how the game has evolved and how it's played. Um, you, you can't ever, I guess, project like how will that quarterback deal with having freak athletes all over the field because they played at North Dakota Southwestern State University? Like they don't yeah. know what that's like. Yeah. Uh, but but you could you could see things that tell you like Trey Trey Lance has an absolute hose, a cannon. Yeah. Right. So now you got to get into the other things that matter, like intelligence and maturity. And, you know, if a guy's built right, you could be a guy that's a a franchise quarterback. Right. And if he's not, I don't care if you're at Ohio State or or South Dakota State. If you're not built with those intangibles, you're not going to be a successful long term quarterback in that league.
1: Yeah, that's 100 percent true. I mean, where do you where do you see Justin going? I kind of think Atlanta is going to take him at four if he falls there personally, because it seems to to make a lot of sense, right? They've got a lot of young ta- young ta- skill position talent. Um, even if they do trade Julio, I think um, they have a lot of talent on that roster and he might be a good fit. I know he's a Georgia kid, might be a good fit. Where do you think are like, the best fits for him if he drops. Obviously, New England is one that everyone's everyone's, <laughs> yeah, everyone's talking about as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that New England would be a no-brainer uh, success for him. Like that's where I hope he goes. Yeah. Um, I definitely see Atlanta happening without a doubt. I'm still not not sold that the 49ers are actually done. You know, everything's being reported is they're they're down to Trey Lance and Mac yeah. Jones. I'm not sold that that's a That's reality. I think that a lot of th- these NFL teams put stuff out through these NFL insiders. And a lot of yeah. times get a narrative out there that benefits them. Right. So yeah. I believe, I bet there's a lot of teams in the middle of this first round that are, that are not feeding information on Justin Fields, but they're fanning the fire. They're like, Oh yeah. yeah, keep going with that field stuff. Keep running it. Right. Yeah. Because it, it helps them get the kid in the end. Right. It's it. So, I can see him going to to New England. I can see him going to Atlanta. I think New England is the spot where he will have the best chance at success because of how Belichick's system and entire you know corporation is run. Um, but I'm not I'm not sold. He's not going to be a 49er. I'm not. I doubt he will be. But I'm not here to say he's not going to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you never know. You know, when a team is saying that we're down to two people, I tend not to believe it because why would they tell everyone that? right what do, you, what do you gain out of that yeah what do you gain from telling people that uh, and that and that's yeah, that's kind of the reason I don't I don't trust it either now with, since we're on that on this topic um just briefly want to talk about um ohio state players in this draft um obviously we're used to having a bunch of elite first round projected guys this year we don't but I do think that there are guys like Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade, who, if they go to the right team and they're developed right, that they could have really long and successful NFL yeah. careers. Yeah. Who are some other guys kind of from Ohio State uh, that you think could make an impact here on the, at
0: the next level? Um, I think Pete Warner has a chance to be, be a solid NFL linebacker. Um, okay. Baron Browning, if he ever could figure it out in totality, could be a great player. Um, the guy that I think is least talked about is Tommy Togiai, who is just a, – he's a, yeah. such a rare skill set. Like, those nose guards are – they're nothing pretty. They're nothing sexy. They're nothing attractive. Like, you you don't get excited about him. And he just is really, really good. And he's a guy that I think will play a long time in that league. Wyatt's going to play for a long time for sure. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see Trey Sermon. I feel like Ohio State yeah. didn't really unleash him fully. I think he's yeah. a guy that can be, provide mid- to late-round value. And then, yeah. obviously, the top of the draft, Sean. You, it's funny because you look at it going into the year. Ohio State had three to four first rounders, and now they yeah. might just play fields. Yeah, um, just guys didn't play as well as people expected them to, or or what they wanted them to. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think those are the ones that that I'm looking at. To, I mean, at, that that's the draft class. I mean, it, yeah. It, I don't know yeah. who else. I don't see anyone else. I guess you could say Luke Farrell maybe could be a down-the-line draft pick. To There's always
1: out. an Ohio State tight end that just did his job at Ohio State that ends up with an like right. eight-to-ten-year NFL career just blocking, right? And yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: and, and that's what Luke Farrell can do. He's been well-coached. He's a big, strong tight end that can run a little bit and has good hands. I mean, yeah. he'll play in the NFL for a decent amount of time. I don't know if he's going to be a 12-year vet or anything, but he'll play. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. and as as you've evaluated the rest of kind of these draft prospects, are there guys that are kind of under the radar, not not just from Ohio State that that you think should be um, evaluated a little bit more highly than they have been sleepers. Uh, so I, don't, I guess we could just call them sleepers. Who, who do you have any guys that you think are sleepers?
0: Yeah. I'm- so this is this the one I'm going to talk about is not a sleeper. The two I'm going to talk about are not sleepers necessarily. They're both first rounders, but I think they're being incredibly undervalued. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss is not being discussed with Jamar Chase and those receivers in that top tier. Now he'll be the next receiver off the board, but yeah. when I watch his film and I and I kind of study him at Ole Miss, I mean he he had he has just as impressive film as any of those kids, and the yeah. fact that he's not really discussed with those kids is uh, just a little surprising. Um, and the other kid is Pat Sertain. I think Pat Sertain's a top five pick. Yeah, and they're talking sure. about him all the way down in the bottom half of the first round. I think that's just crazy. I yeah. mean, he's a six foot three long corner with hips that can run and was locked down at Alabama for three year, two years, basically. Yeah. So th- those are two that I think are undervalued. Now they're both first rounders. Outside of that, I'm not really sure. I haven't paid attention to where they have people going late in the draft. But um, those are those are two guys that I think – Are being undervalued
1: in the first round. Yeah. And I I would say the same to throw another receiver name out there, Bateman from Minnesota. I think he's going to translate. I don't know if he's being undervalued because I think most people have him late first, early second. So I don't know if that's necessarily undervaluing, but I think from what we've seen from him in Minnesota, um, the guy is going to translate to the NFL level, just not sure how, you know, or where. So but it also, are there any other, other kind of positions that you think are being undervalued um, right now? Cause it seems like the offense, typically there's always a top five offensive lineman. It seems like we have that in this draft, but mm-hmm. it's just not being valued at that because there's so many skill position players that jump off, jump off and film.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there's. The, the kids, Penny Sewell from from Oregon is is a top five pick for sure. It's just a matter of how it, how it shakes out. It's always that way, right? Yeah. There's a, like a, an actual top five pick sometimes is need specific. Like if you're the first tackle off the board, you're a top five pick, even if you go at number 11, right, in okay. in my mind, because it just means that those teams didn't need a tackle or, or needed something more than a tackle. So he's a top five tackle, and I, I, honestly – We'll be shocked to see him fall out of the top five, um, although that's what the narrative is out there right now, that all these – the Bengals are going to take Jamar Chase because Joe Burrow's buddies with him from LSU and, like, all this stuff that's going on. It's like, all right, if that kid lasts to pick number eight, I would be shocked because he is he, – he allowed, like, two quarterback pressures in his career, something crazy. You know? like yeah, the,
1: like- the Jamar Chase to Cincinnati story is something that they've run with that just doesn't make sense to me. They've got Boyd they've got Higgins, why would they then go and get another receiver when their quarterback, the reason that he's not playing right now is because right. your offensive line couldn't protect him. I mean, they are the Bengals, but it's just this story seems so out of left field and doesn't, doesn't sound like it has any truth to me.
0: It just seems. But if it happens, it'll be such a Bengals move. It's like, yep, there you go.
1: Yep, yep. And where do you think our 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 team, the Browns, where do you think what holes do you think that they need to to evaluate and address?
0: Well, they did a lot of free
1: agency. Yeah, they did a lot
0: of free agency. I think I think uh, they're they're so good offensively right now that that they need to just absolutely invest in defensive football players. I mean, from in the back seven, really. Um, They had guys like Denzel and Greedy that were injured quite a bit, Um, and the, so, having them healthy would be a hell of a deal. But I think that also shows you why you can't ever have too many corners, right? Yeah. Those corners are like thoroughbreds, man. They chip their hoof and they can't run. They can't do anything. And, and yeah. it's just the nature of the position. And so, um, I think they need to go back seven on defense. Um, obviously, signage, and Clowney, opposite Miles Garrett. I mean, it, this it, they're making moves that you just yeah, love to stand. Um, so, I'm just I'm just excited to see where they go with it and, and who – who they value that high in the draft or you know in the first round in the second round in that in those defensive positions i mean not, on offense like i don't even see where they would go i they, they could possibly go on offensive lineman um but but their tight ends are solid their running backs are the, it's the best room in the nfl their receiver their receivers are great mm. uh, and their line was the best run blocking offensive line in the nfl so i it just it, they got to go full sell on defense they yeah, have to yeah.
1: they do they do And We have to talk about this one. It's uh, Urban Meyer's first NFL draft. You got a bird's eye view of how he goes through a process in recruiting of evaluating talent. What do you think is going to carry over from, from kind of how he recruited to how he evaluates talent? And what do you think will work and things that he probably needs to adjust to to understand that these aren't kids anymore that he's coaching?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's he's going to do a great job transitioning um, better than if he would have ever jumped prior to now, because yeah. after going through what what he went through in 2015, 2016, you know, not having a competent offensive coordinator and then trying to take over for him and, and run it kind of himself, but halfway in and out. I think he just realized that, that that's not his strength. He was never a coordinator. He was always great at being a head coach and leading a strong coordinator. So when Ryan Day came in, he really turned over the keys of the offense to Ryan, and and a a ton changed.
1: And that was something
0: I never thought would happen. And so once he did that, I knew that he could go to the NFL as long as he let the guys that are really, really good at X's and O's run that side of it, right? Yeah. Um, I think he'll have some motivational speed bumps to get over because you can't motivate – (laughs) these NFL guys the way he does these 18 year olds Uh, but um, I'm interested I I think the draft is going to be I will tell you this there's no question in my mind that no matter what Trevor Lawrence is his pick and that's even if Justin Fields is a better player because he couldn't pick anyone but Trevor Lawrence you think about it if if he picks Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields is a bust, Urban is a failure, fired, and that's his legacy on the line. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is a bust. Everyone will talk about how he was the best thing ever, and everyone thought so, and he ended up being a bust. That's not Urban's yes. fault. Yeah, that's everyone's fault, right? Yeah. So I think he's going through the process and and you know trying to learn it and also you know kind of going through it for practice because they already know who they're picking number one. And then the rest of the draft is obviously what they're working on.
1: Yeah. Be exciting to see, to see him. It's going to be odd seeing him on NFL sideline and then also balancing his personality with, with a different type of player that he's coaching, but I think he'll get through it. And I don't think he takes this job without a willingness to kind of, to learn, um, learn along the way. So I'm, I'm really excited. The draft is here in Ohio, too. I mean, I, I, it's obviously not going to be as as much of a spectacle as it normally is due to the continued uh, issues with the pandemic. But I think it is kind of cool to see this draft back in Ohio, back in Canton, you know, where, where football was birthed.
0: Um, yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. And anything's better than last year. That weird floating thing in wherever it was, Vegas, that was just weird. I mean, yeah, just bizarre.
1: It was pretty weird. It was pretty weird. I'm excited about it. So before we before we end, I'm going to say, who are your top five prospects in this year's draft? If you were to say that the, the best five players you've seen on film, regardless Ooh. of position.
0: Um, I, I love. Like I said, I think the tackle from Morgan Penny Sewell, is definitely one of the five. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, those are those are three right off the top of my head. Um, and then I would probably I mean, it's just such a quarterback-heavy draft. I'd say Jamar Chase is probably the best receiver that I've seen yeah. in a couple of years. Now, he, I, I think we've talked about it before. I have a lot of problems with the way he went about this whole opt-out because LSU was going to suck and blamed COVID. Yeah. Like, I got no time for that. Um, yeah. But I love his talent. I love Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddles' talent. Um, I think those, those whatever collection of guys right there are, are going to be superstars in the NFL. I'm not sold on Zach Wilson. I'm not sold on Trey Lance. Uh, yeah. I love Mac Jones. I don't know if he's ever going to be a franchise quarterback, but I think he's a safe pick for someone. Yeah. Um So I think that those are those are the upper echelon to me yeah. this year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. we have a pretty deep draft too in the middle yeah. rounds. You know, you mentioned some of the names, but for sure. every year it seems like we're getting more and more talent um, into into the draft, and it's making it's creating a better NFL product every year. It seems like this is the league in which there is the most parity amongst the professional leagues. It seems like all the other leagues are very top heavy, but every year in the NFL, you're seeing a new team emerge in the playoffs or it's competitive. So, you know, despite some of the the issues that we all have with the, some of the ways the NFL handles it, it seems like they've really figured out how to create a, create a great and competitive product, including in how they execute this draft.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They, have. Uh, I think mean, they, they haven't figured out more than anybody, the salary caps and, and how they do everything is, I mean, there's no super teams. I mean, there's, there's good teams, but, but anybody can beat anybody, right? Look at last year, yeah. the chiefs were, the chiefs were the Lakers, right. Or the nets. Yeah. and they, they got taken down by old man, Brady. Like, yeah. It's just, it's a yeah. great, great product.
1: Yeah. I'm really excited for football. I'm really excited for, for, for Ohio state as well. Um, to see what happens we have a lot of changes happening over there um that's going to make it really an exciting time we're going to have good buckeye football we're going to have good browns football and maybe we'll even have good Bengals football
0: (laughs) what a crazy (laughs) world that would be
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right zach well it was great sitting down and talking to you about all this um get this episode out for for everyone and uh Thanks for joining us, Menace to Sports and Pilot Boys podcast, NFL draft
0: special. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Where the Pilot Boys at? <laughs> uh, 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 pilot Boys, we get on up. We gon' fly, boys, we get up. So, we We